Let's say a special welcome to our video audience today. We're short one camera today, so hopefully this one turns out. And uh, as usual, I hope to have that posted by 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, my name is Sherwin, and uh, we here at Lake and Bethel have two services, one at 9 and one at 11. And you're more than welcome to attend. Today we are talking about Looney Tunes. I've just used the Sylvester uh, as a title today, Suffering Succotash. I don't know if any of you have watched that. Any of you guys watched that thing? You were kids, Saturday morning cartoons, remember those? And uh, uh, Dave, you, can you do your imitation of him a minute? Yeah. Uh, he, he, does that, he does that a lot better than I do. You do a Daffy. You do Daffy Duck too? Dave, you wasted your childhood. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about Looney Tunes is, you know, I bought the DVDs uh, a long time ago and just have them sitting on my shelf. Never really watched them. So my granddaughter's over and she's <clears throat> restless. So I said, well, why don't we put these on, you know, because you watch, what is it, these, what are some of the things those little kids watch these days? Miss Rachel. Miss Rachel and uh, Kokomon. That's the one. Is that the one with the pig? What? Peppa Pig. Yeah, we had to go to that place in Chicago one time. Uh, but anyway, you know, I thought, well, it's time to expose my kids to Sylvester and Tweety Bird, you know, and I thought I saw a pussycat thing. And, I, I'd forgotten how violent those things are. It's no, it's no wonder my daughter won't let her kids watch them. But that's what grandpas are for. But anyway, um, that's Sylvester. Now, all this time growing up listening to Sylvester and his succotash, I didn't know what succotash was until I moved to Oklahoma, and then they, they make it there. It's, a, it's considered a treat. This is a good example of what it looks like. Actually, not bad stuff. It's the corn and the tomatoes mask the taste of the lima beans, and it's really not that bad at all. So uh, I encourage you. But uh, Sylvester's point of suffering succotash is well taken because all you have to do is live a few years in this life, and you know you're going to run into some suffering. You know that there's things that are not going to go right for you. you know, um, my buddy, Doug McClinic, who used to work for the regional city of the Great Lakes, now he's working as a church planter in Europe, and, uh, and he happens to be in Jenison today. He's actually leading the worship service at Fair Haven right now. But he used to consult with over a thousand pastors, and uh, he told me that one time we were just having lunch in Grand Rapids, and he said, well, so-and-so's not going to make it as a pastor. And this guy didn't make it. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, because he hasn't suffered enough to be a pastor. And, of course, that bothered me because I thought, well, have I suffered enough? And uh, he goes, yeah, you know, you've been through divorce. At the time, my wife was going through chemo. He says, I think you've suffered enough. And I always remember that. And then we talked about Rick Warren, the megachurch pastor from California, whose kids all dealt with mental illness, and one of his sons actually committed suicide. And, 
And uh, Doug goes and see, there's an example of some of the reason he's effective is because he has suffered enough. Well, suffering is inevitable. You know, if you look at what we prayed about today, it's, people do suffer. It's a constant thing. We live, we're living life in a war zone. There's a theologian in Minneapolis called Greg Boyd who writes constantly about this. If you want to check him out, it's cool. But essentially what he says is that good and evil are constantly at war, and they always have been. The devil and his crew are working 24-7, and you can't outwit the devil. He's way smarter than any of us. The good news is Jesus and his angels are working too. And we get caught in the middle. We get caught in the crossfire. We're not so innocent bystanders that get caught. And things do go wrong. And we will suffer. But here's what I want you to take home today. God does not let you waste your suffering. Or God does not want you to waste your suffering. Suffering is going to happen anyway. God wants to help you put it to good use. So he's going to send other people to you who, have, who are going through what you've already gone through. And here's an example. A couple of times a year, somebody comes to me who wants to quit drinking, has a serious alcohol addiction. Because it's been going on in this area, and I've been here 32 years, because it's been going on in this area this long, I know people who are connected to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I right away refer them. And it's, it's the coolest thing because they start helping each other deal with this addiction issue. I've been rejected by family members. So when you've got a kid or a parent that doesn't want to talk to you, I know what that's like. And I can help with that. I uh, don't know what joblessness is. I've only been unemployed since I was 14, two weeks at a time. In just one two-week period. So I really can't identify with unemployment. But people who have lost jobs for extended periods can. And when that happens to you, it's quite likely that Jesus sends somebody to you that he wants you to help. There are no coincidences in this life. The people that you run into are not by accident. They're there for a reason. They've been drawn to you. And Jesus wants to help that person he wants to help them through you. One of the things that happens because of our video is that I connect with people that I haven't connected with in years. People from former churches, and sometimes they're friends. And I've, I've talked with a guy who's in his mid-30s, and uh, I have his permission to tell his story. He's going through some nasty stuff both with work, health, and his marriage falling apart. And he made it through that, but he's a little depressed. And I said, you know, I, I'm a student of Henry Cloud, and I know you're a good guy, and you're just trying to figure out your place in this world. But Henry Cloud has this thing he calls the 5% rule that you probably ought to try. And so what this 5% rule is, is that you have to give 5% of your time to other people who are going through the same stuff you've just been through. So if you take the number of hours in a week times five, uh, five percent, that comes to about eight hours. And so you need to be giving away eight hours of your time. 
to people who've gone through this. God will send them to you. And then you need to, you know, because he was very much a grabber, I said, and he didn't have a church, I said, you need to give 5% of your income to a local church too. Now this guy makes around nine grand a month, which comes to, I figured out for him, 112.50 a week. And he said, well, I don't have a church. I don't go to one. You're the only pastor I talked to. I said, Lake and Bethel, take your money. It's not a problem. He hasn't started that yet. I haven't seen, we haven't seen any, but um, he is doing much better because he's helping people with the same struggles that he had or has. And all, every one of us can help if we pay attention to who God is putting in our paths. God sends people our way who need our help. There's teaching from the Bible that inspired this. It's Paul's first chapter of 2 Corinthians. It's our text for today. We're going to look at it. It reads like this. I, Paul, have been sent on a special mission by the Messiah Jesus, planned by God himself. I write this to God's congregation in Corinth and to believers all over the Achaia province. May all the gifts and benefits that come from God our Father and the Master Jesus be yours. Timothy, someone you know and trust, joins me in this greeting. Uh, I don't normally include these when I teach from the letters of Paul, but this is how they wrote letters in those days. Put this kind of a greeting with a purpose statement in there. Uh, you can see Paul's heart here. He says he wants all the gifts and benefits that come from God our Father to be yours. So you understand his thing. And he believes he's, well, sent on a special mission. That's just kind of cool. But here he gets into the heart of this teaching. He says, All praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus, the Messiah. Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. The, the hard times are going to happen anyway. So he sends somebody with to us that we can help through them. When I went through my divorce 40 years ago, one of the first things my dad said, he said, well, you're going through this, and if they let you stay in the church, which was real iffy, you're going to be able to help lots of people who've had that. That has affected me. You know, once you're kicked out of the church or people are trying to kick you out, I know what that's like. Why do you suppose our first core value is that everybody's accepted here? Because I know what it's like. I've been on the end of that boot. And so it's important. It has affected me. If you're going through a divorce right now, I still identify with your pain. But our calling is to be there for the person, just as God was there for us, as Paul says. He goes on, he says this, We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that, too. So good times and bad times. He says they're going to be there, both of them. One heals us, one wears us out. You know, I did the Bible study on Job a while back. It's really a cool book, if you ever read it. It's written as a play, and it's, it's fun to read through. But 
chapter 2 already. There's Job. He's broke down. His kids are all dead. He's lost his business. And he's sick. He's got boils from head to toe. And his wife says, give up. Curse God and die. And Job calls her what? He calls her a foolish woman. He says, can we accept only from God the good and not the bad? But he wouldn't do it. The bad is normal. We have to understand that. Things going wrong is normal. When things go right, it's unusual. We need to accept that. And then report for duty. Then the good times will follow. That was Paul's perspective. And you see that in the next paragraph. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. If we are treated well, given a helping hand and encouraging word, that also works to your benefit. Spurring you on, face forward. And then that all-important word, unflinching. And here again, Paul's simply saying, attitude is everything. Be grateful in your suffering and be grateful for your successes so that you can help those who are suffering currently. Lend a helping hand, lend an encouraging word, and what it does is it energizes you. It'll spur you on. Unflinching. I like the way he says that. It gives, makes you bulletproof to all the garbage that's going on around you. Whatever it is you're going through, you're going to get through it according to this passage. And then it goes on even more. And here you see the heart of Paul again in, this, in these verses. Your hard times are also our hard times. And we see that you're just as willing to endure the hard times as enjoy the good times. We know you're going to make it. No doubt about it. So he's saying... Accept the good with the bad. Mm. Then you will survive. Now, as I've said before, one of the reasons that marriages fail, the, the main reason, the summary reason, is unmet expectations. They, their partner isn't what we expected and won't change. Of course not. Same thing for anger. The root cause of all anger is unmet expectations. So then ask yourself, well, what do you expect out of life? And if you don't get it, are you going to pout? Or are you going to be grateful to God for what he does give you? See, one of the re repeated themes of Paul is that hard times and good times both happen. And I don't think anyone here is going to dispute that. Uh, is there anybody in this building that's never been through a hard time? Oh, see, there you go. Good times happen too. What Paul's basically saying here is push through the hard times. Trust Jesus during them. And then the good times will show. Be aware of the good times and don't cloud them with the negativity, but be thankful for the good times. And then endure the hard times so you're free to enjoy the good times. And whenever I talk about this, which I do frequently, 
someone will say, it ain't fair that I have to suffer. What did I do to deserve this? And my answer is this. If you want fair, go to Des Moines in August. The Iowa State Fair is huge. It's 900 acres. You can ask John Wilkie what goes on there. He'll tell you. He's been there. Uh, I don't see uh, the Scots today. But Brian and Kim have been there. And they'll tell you, you want fair, go to Des Moines. See a little girl on that humongous horse. See all kinds of things you don't normally see. That's where fair is. But you're not going to find fair in this life. But when the bad things happen, God doesn't want to waste it. That's what you need to remember. And he will send someone to you that needs a blessing. That's how he works. I never expected to get any comfort from my dad. He was not the kind of person that comforted people. But when I was going through a divorce, being rejected by the church, he was a great comfort. And every struggle you have in this war zone that we live in is for a purpose. God will not waste your struggle. So look for the people who come to you and God will send them when he thinks you're ready. You're ready and you'll be blessed, <coughs> blessed for helping them. And one of the coolest things I've seen, especially in talking with people who go to Alcoholics Anonymous or other addiction groups like that, is you build up these powerful networks of lifetime friendships that that's just a pleasant byproduct of this. But I would encourage you to think about that too. Be there to help. Somebody else comes to you know comes into your vision, suffering through something you've been through. You can accept them with no judgments. Say, well, I've been there, done that. How can I help? You're not trying to correct them. You're not trying to fix them. You're trying to help them. And in doing so, you fulfill your calling as followers of Jesus, and then the good times will follow. Let's pray together. Lord, we have been neglectful of perhaps looking for folks who've suffered the way we have so we can help them. Open our eyes so that when these folks cross our paths, we know that they're there directed by you and that we're there to help. Amen. So to our video audience, I want to say thanks for watching. Again, I'll try to have this video posted by 7 o'clock on Sunday nights, and we'll see you next week.